0: So, I'm continuing with uh, the intentional discipleship and making disciples. And, and we talked a little bit last week about how healing and deliverance are, are the same you know, same coin, two sides. And So, I want us to really go into a little bit more about understanding deliverance. And uh, I hadn't planned to do this, but we did tell this a little bit in prayer last night. But I want Terry to come up. We had an experience with this last week. So, you're thinking, oh, well, you have to be a real bad sinner full of demons in order to have deliverance. No. Not at all, not at all, but last week, I mean, if you, if, I don't know if anybody noticed how bad he looked last week. He looked pretty rough. Uh, yeah, thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> but he was, I mean, he was struggling, and he was struggling from the, the actually the reaction, the withdrawals from the oxycodone that the doctor had given him, and good, and we're glad he did have it, because I don't know how he would have done it without it, but for some reason, this thing really took a toll on him, uh, and he's one who has never really taking any kind of medication and we thank god for medication but there's a place for everything but uh, you just do it share
1: where's barbara barbara you deal with people on drugs right in a two and a half week span i had 140 oxycodones and that was less than my surgeon prescribed i pulled myself off but the pain would have been. I, I let. I got behind the pain one time, and they said, "Don't ever get behind the pain." I didn't trust that about the first week, and I got behind the pain. I thought I was going to die, so I said, "I'm going to take some more of these," and they eliminated the pain. The bad thing is, there's there's days in my life in the last that first three and a half weeks I have no memory of. I don't remember leaving the hospital. I don't on Friday. I don't remember coming home on Saturday. I don't remember Sunday until Sunday afternoon. I had about a 30-minute memory of something that happened. There's days two weeks later that they're lost forever, and that's because of strong medication. I had to have that, and I kept talking to the nurse coming to the house. I'm having nightmares. I'm having horror-filled dreams, and I said, I'm, I'm, it's not good. Oh, that won't do that to you. I said, it's doing it. And so we called the triage nurse. She said, do not get off the medication or you will regret it. So I sort of listened to that. The rest of them have been flushed away. and um, Which we any-
0: cannot, we're not supposed to be doing that. That's yeah, right.
1: No. We shouldn't have done that. But anyway, last weekend was uh, Friday a week ago. I came off all medication. I said, I'm done. He gave me a hydrocodone as my next step down, took one pill and threw it away. I said, this is baby aspirin, so I don't need that. And uh, I just went to ibuprofen occasionally. But Friday morning a week ago at 9 o'clock, I had no medication. And by Sunday, I was struggling. Very little sleep. Not pain, but body aches from withdrawal from oxycodone. I know what it feels like for someone to be addicted. God has given me a tremendous empathy for people that struggle with drugs. Uh but we were but I was struggling. And we went to lunch last Sunday. First off I said, Don, take me home. I gotta go to bed. I'm I'm just I can't I can't go. So I went to the bistro. But keep in I mind
0: s- this is not from pain, this is from the oh, side no. effects oh, no. of, of being off of the
1: thing. Drugs. Just the side effects of a of a drug. So I said, I'll go sit, and I sat, and the the people that were there obviously knew I wasn't feeling well. I had a little bit of soup and crackers, and that's all I could eat. And I just I just wanted to go home and crash. And uh, I'll let you take over from there where, what happened next. So we
0: went home, and I had a meeting here at church at 4, we came back, and he said, I'm so hungry. He hadn't, he's lost seven pounds in like two weeks, and he said, I'm just so hungry. I need something. He said, I just love to have a slice of pizza. So we, I pick him up, and we head over to have some pizza at this little place we love to go to. And we're on Wilshire Drive, and, and he's just, I mean, he's just, I'm thinking, is he going to be able to eat a slice of pizza? And finally, the Holy Spirit just drops into my spirit. The word for pharmaceuticals, pharmacopoeia in the Greek, is the word for sorcery. It really translates sorcery. And I said, Terry, there is a spirit that's associated with, with these drugs. Because he even said, and, and then Wayne was telling us last night when he went through a similar thing, the thing literally says, take a pill, take a pill. It speaks to you. We've heard people on hardcore drugs like cocaine and crack and all this say, it speaks to me, it tells me to take it. And he, and he said, he, I remember one morning he said, I was walking through the house and I heard this thing saying, take hydro, uh, oxycodone, take it. And there's nothing, now keep in mind, everything in balance, you know. But for whatever reason, it really played a toll in him physically, spiritually, emotionally. During that time.
1: And understand this, and if you don't agree, it's too bad because it happened. I couldn't pray for three weeks. I couldn't read the word. I didn't hear from God. I didn't I never gave it a thought because all I did was sleep. Remember I had entire days that were gone. I'll never remember those days. So I, did, I didn't, and you would say, well, just pray, brother, and call on Jesus. I had no thoughts of God. I could not think. I couldn't process. There was no, it was just, I was flatlined for three weeks.
0: So when we were driving down Welshire, I was driving because he couldn't drive. Uh, that day he couldn't drive. And I, the Lord dropped in my spirit this pharmacopoeia means sorcery. And I said, Terry, there's a spirit associated with this. And that's what we were feeling. So we, right there in the car, we, in the name of Jesus, we broke this spirit that was associated with this medicine that he had been prescribed. And we took authority in the name of Jesus. We broke the power. We we disconnected that spirit from the pharmaceutical. That quick, he turned around. That quick, before we got to the restaurant, he turned around. He ate. He has had no trouble since. He's sleeping. He's eating. Totally restored. So, you see, it's not just somebody who has... Demons. I'm, that's not what we're talking about. Did you want to say something, Christina? This is a serious matter uh, for many people, by the way. When um my son was taking, um, when he went through his his stuff that when he went through, uh, I don't want to go into detail. But, and uh, I remember he stayed in the hospital for a week, and the doctors giving strong medication. Like, oh my goodness. I can't even pronounce the name of it. But I remember the Holy Spirit said to me, take the medication and pray over it. Mm-hmm. And I understood what the Holy Spirit was saying to me. Because so, to bind from all the spiritual side
1: effects. It it, it's not only physical, but it's spiritual. That's it's something right. connected. It's true what the pastor is saying. Because the Holy Spirit said to me, take the medication and pray
0: over it. Oh, well, that's powerful. Thank you. And I would do that if I were you. We thank God for doctors and medication and technology, and some people can take it and not have an issue for whatever reason. It, it was it really affected him, but don't you love when Holy Spirit speaks to you? I'll, I'll tell you just something very innocuous. This morning we drove out, we pulled out of our driveway. We were actually heading down our little street. We have a little tiny street, and the Holy Spirit said, "Look at your fence." And I turned around and looked, and the side fence, which is a brick wall, had fallen. And our dogs ran in the backyard. I said, "Stop it! We've got, look at the the fence has fallen." So we go back to the house, lock them in. But I'm thinking, you know, they could have gotten out, been anywhere in this two and a half. I'm so. Th- I said, told him, I said, I'm so thankful for Holy Spirit. I don't know when I've ever driven out of my driveway and turned and looked at my brick wall fence. So I, I'm telling you, Holy Spirit is so practical. He wants. He wants to preserve everything in our lives, everything in our lives, and and so deliverance is one of the most misunderstood, feared, and misused biblical tools that we have. And most churches completely ignore it because they think it's all the stuff you see on TV with the exorcists. Things like that have done so much. And I'm sure the devil smiled all the way to the bank on that movie because it gave such. I mean, people tr- head turning around and all these other things. What well, I've never saw it, but I, I heard about it. So anyway, so we, these, these things we see on TV can give such a bad rap to what the Word of God really says, says to us. And it creates a state of fear. It's the least used but the most critical tool for the victorious life of the Christian. We prayed. I mean, we prayed so many times during these four weeks. But you know what? The Lord said there's a spirit associated with that. We had to break it off. For him to walk in victory and if you were with him especially those who went to lunch with us last Sunday you saw the shape he was in last Sunday it was it was even it was so bad that even the restaurant sent us a $50 gift card hoping he got better <laughs> seriously and how many times has that ever happened they and and Debbie the lady that's one of our servers favorite servers, she said what's wrong with him is he okay I said well and I explained the whole situation but that's how that, the power of the enemy can get in and cause these issues. He can, the enemy can take a good thing and contaminate it, can he? And when we lead people into a relationship with Christ, when we t- we're talking about um, discipleship and we ignore deliverance, we set them up to fail. Because so many of the people that we lead, especially today, with what children and people have been exposed to, have these influences of, of, of demonic activity, operating in their lives and so we, we talked about this last week the spirit man gets born again or turned on but see that the the oppression, the soul the, the the flesh is still in operation we have to crucify the flesh and we have to take authority over the enemy and let me tell you it does not have to be loud, ugly and scary it does not have to be I believe just like we did last week in our car I believe any believer who knows who they are in Christ can self deliver anytime they want to I believe that. And I I think that if we know, but we've got to know who we are. C.S. Lewis in his screw tape letter said, we err in two ways concerning the devil. We can fail to take the account of him as we should, or we can give him too much attention. You know, we can say either there's a devil behind everything, when really it might be our flesh in operation, or it could be that we have sin in our life, which is the devil, of course. Or we can just say, oh, there's no such thing anymore. And so what do we do? We come to the altar and everything should be wonderful, and the people go back out, and they're still struggling with addictions and anger and unforgiveness and hatred and, and prejudice. And they don't realize that the enemy has gotten a foothold and a stronghold in their life. By the way, immediately after that experience, he began the spirit vein began to open up again. And he had and we're not even gonna go into that, what God showed him. But demons and deliverance are clearly taught in the Bible. And we need to understand this today. We have to understand it. We have to understand that the devil didn't disappear at the resurrection. Right? He didn't disappear at the resurrection. We're also been warned to, by Paul to not be ignorant of his schemes. And we've taught a lot on these things in the past. In 2 Corinthians 2.11, he says, do not be ignorant of Satan's devices. And we're going to talk about some of those devices today. But the devil is real. And he's alive. And he's working against you even today. I want you to come forward. We going to pray for you. Yes, Miss Claire. She told me earlier today that she's been struggling with fear in her house. I want you to stand, if you will. She said a spirit of fear comes on her. Let's get around her, some of you that are close. We're going to pray for you, then I want you to take this oil. You ask for oil and anoint your home. And if you want us to come help you, we'll be glad to do it. But the Bible says we've not been given a spirit of fear, but of power and love and sound, a sound mind. So let's put our hands upon Miss Claire. So God, we thank you, Lord, and we just we come against this spirit that's trying to intimidate her. We break its power in Jesus' name. We take authority over it, devil. You have nothing in Miss nothing in her belongs to you. We break the power of your influence. We break your tormenting spirit in Jesus' name, and we command you to leave her alone. Leave her alone in Jesus' mighty name. God, we thank you, Lord. We thank you, Father. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, we thank you Father God. And no, Miss Claire, she's not sitting at home watching horror movies. She's not opening the door for the enemy. She, she watches preaching and teaching, worship all of the time. But the enemy is trying to come in and bring wreak havoc and torment to your mind. So we break the power of that foul spirit in Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Bless you, Lord. Praise God. Yes. Yes. So let's just very, very quickly review our sources of warfare. And we, and we talked about this to some level last week, but not intently. We've talked, we've talked about this a lot. First of all, we have the world that we contend with, so we have to overcome the world. Secondly, we have the flesh to contend with, so we have to crucify the flesh. And those are all messages in and of themselves. And thirdly, we have the devil. And we have to take authority over the devil. So we, we must overcome the world. The Bible says, don't be conformed to this world, but wow, be transformed by the renewing of our minds, right? That's part of crucifying the flesh. When the flesh is screaming at you that it wants something that it's not supposed to have, you have to say no. But part of that victory is in the renewing of the mind. With habits and, and addictions and all these other physical pleasures. that you know we, We've been taught that everything's okay because self is so important. Well, self is one of the biggest issues in the body of Christ. But then the devil, and we have to know, we have to know who we are to take authority over the devil. We cannot be ignorant of his devices. 1 John 3 8 says, The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. To destroy the works of the devil. Now, what, just tell me, what are some of the works of the devil? Shout it out. What's the works of the devil? Sins are obvious what's some examples of that? Gossip, lying, pride, drugs, alcohol, pornography, sexual impurities, all of these. How about how about fear? That's the work of the enemy, isn't it? It's a work of the enemy. So to evangelize the world for Christ and make disciples as we're commanded, we must also challenge the rule of Satan in the lives of people. So when we go out and we are discipling people, we have to challenge the authority that Satan has been given in their lives until they themselves know how to take that authority for themselves. So we, as part of the teaching that we have to do, <coughs> excuse me, just as Jesus did when he walked the earth. See, the same works he did, we are to do. The same works he did, we are to do. And if he came, if the reason he was manifest was to destroy the works of the devil, why do you think the church exists? Is it to have a Sunday morning service? The reason the church exists is to do the same thing Jesus did. To destroy the works of the devil. And we have that obligation. John 14, 12. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me also will do the works I do. And greater works than these will he do because I am going to the Father. So that's us, the church. So we have to understand that. We have to understand that we're to heal the sick. We're to cast out demons. That's what we're supposed to be doing. So what is deliverance ministry? <coughs> deliverance ministry is the operation of the Holy Spirit working together with a believer to set another or their self free from demonic assignment. A curse is nothing more than an assignment of the de- devil against you. A curse is an assignment of evil against you. A curse is something that wants to rob you of what God has promised you, or to take that. So, the deliverance requires three things and three things only. Number one, we need require the Spirit of God, because there has to be someone stronger than the strong than the, the strong man. Right? We talked about that a little bit. There has to be something stronger than the strong man. And the Holy Spirit is stronger than the devil, the enemy. Number two, we have to have the Word of God, the Spirit and the Word. We heard that before, right? But number three, we have to understand our authority. You can have the Spirit, you can have the Word, but if you don't exercise that, it's no good. The church has had the Word and the Spirit for years, but they don't exercise, they don't walk in that authority. And we have to take that authority of, over the devil. So it's not just one or two, but we need all of them, right? We need all of them. And so these are uh, Jonas Clark has a book called Come Out, and I've just given you. He has given twenty-seven different types of spirits that we might encounter. I'm just quickly going to go through these. We're not going to sit on these or focus on them, but, and I've given you references to them. They're on the podcast uh, uh, documents if you want them. You can research it for yourself. But these are just some. These are things that are mentioned in the scripture. These are some demonic activity that works against the believer, as mentioned in the scripture. Number one is wickedness, a spirit of wickedness. Number two, there's a spirit of Jezebel. We hear that all the time, don't we? That spirit its a spirit of intimidation, control, manipulation. That's the spirit of Jezebel. If somebody's trying to control you, there's a Jezebel spirit in operation. If somebody's trying to manipulate you, there's a Jezebel spirit in operation. Jezebel's wrapped up with witchcraft, by the way. There's a wounded spirit. There's a wounded spirit. You know, you ever seen somebody just walk around like they were wounded? I had one guy that came here, and we were—he was—we pray, were praying and praying and praying for him. And one Saturday night, the Lord says he's got a spirit of self-pity or a wounded spirit. I said, in the name of Jesus, we need to rebuke this spirit of self-pity. He did that. The man began to make progress, because it made him a victim of his circumstances. And that's that victim mentality, by the way. See, so we got to walk away from that victim mentality. Everybody—everybody's been done wrong, right? Let's get over it and walk through in the the victory God has provided for us. Number four is a spirit of oppression. Number five, a spirit of bondage. Six, a spirit of sorrow. A spirit of fear. We just dealt with that for Miss Clara. How about a spirit of insanity? Notice how many of these might have psychiatric and psychological names associated to them today. How about a spirit of heaviness or despair? It tells us in Isaiah to put on a garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Because God inhabits the praises of His people. Number ten, there's a spirit of injury. You ever seen somebody that was always, we call them accident prone. What kind of laugh about it? Oh, I can stumble over my own two feet. Well, there's a spirit that's associated with that, according to the scriptures, called a spirit of injury. A spirit of infirmity. That's sickness. When sickness continues to persist in your life, there could be a spirit of infirmity there. It could also be a spirit of ignorance where you're not doing what you know you need to do, Right? to keep a balance. there's a spirit of slumber. I was meeting with a young lady yesterday and, and um, who's um, wonderful believer loves God and all of this but she says all of a sudden I can't I can't read my Bible, I can't pray. I don't even want to go to church. she said, I'll just, she said I just and she used to lead women's ministries and all of this and and I said, you have a spirit of slumber on you we prayed to break that. She said, what's that? I said, it's exactly what you just said. That spirit of slumber puts you to sleep concerning spiritual things. And where you used to be so avid and wanting to read the Bible and be with God's people and, and get into prayer, no, longer, it's just kind of like you're numb to everything. Anybody, I mean, I've been there. Anybody else ever been there? You have to break that thing off. You recognize it. But see, what will happen is the devil will say, well, that's because God's mad at you. See, the devil is such a liar. And then there's a spirit of jealousy. A spirit of perverseness. There's a spirit of divination. And that's sweeping our nation, by the way. There's a spirit, a familiar spirit. And that's where you'll see a lot of things travel through family lines, where you see a lot of the same cycles and patterns. There's a, fami- a, a spirit of whoredom. I have to say, we have that spirit in some of the cities in our nation more than others. More than others. I remember we were in Boston a few years ago and and we had come out of our hotel and we were walking to a a restaurant or somewhere and we had to walk around a portion of the city where there was a big museum where this museum happened to be housing that picture that a guy had painted of somebody urinating on the cross. And we didn't know this until later, but as we turned the corner, it's like we walked into thick darkness and we said, wow, do you feel that? And we found out later what was going on in that on that particular block that we turned on. So there's a, a haughty spirit. That's pride. There's a lying spirit. You ever see anybody that, you know, we make a joke and this is not true about certain people. If they're if they're talking, they're lying. <laughs> well, unfortunately it might be true with some people, but we hopefully it's not true with believers, but there's a lying spirit. There's an Antichrist spirit. There's an unclean spirit. We have that rampant in our nation. You go into certain cities, especially. San Francisco is one of the worst. You can feel that we flew in there back in January. You could feel that presence. And that just flying into the airport, you just, ugh. You know, you, you feel that. And I just saw a thing where there were people, they were um, they were walking outside some area and they said, God, stay out of California. And then below it it had a picture of all the fires going on in California. That's a pretty serious thing to be telling God to stay out of anything, isn't it? Then there's a deaf and dumb spirit, a misleading spirit. That's deception. Another Jezebel spirit, part of the Jezebel. All of these come under Baal, by the way. Uh, There's a spirit of error, which is in our nation today. There's a spirit of the world. There's a spirit of treachery. And there's a spirit of murder. Most of these, if you think about these, they're operational in our nation today. And we see them every day. It's so sad. But we have to understand that deliverance, and we, and we've, you, maybe you've heard that healing is the children's bread. That's not really what the Bible says. It's deliverance is the children's bread. Now, it might, deliverance might be healing. But deliverance is the children's bread. And that's out of Mark chapter 7. It says, Now the woman was a Gentile, a Syrophoenician by birth, and she begged him to cast the demon out of her daughter. And he said to her, The demon gone. We have that authority. Let me tell you, if you have children that are acting up, and let me tell you, they may, if they've been playing a lot of these crazy video games, if they've been seeing things they shouldn't be seeing, that's an open door for the enemy. And parents, we have that responsibility. And I know a lot of kids come kicking and screaming. Oh, that's old fashioned. My friends all do this. Well, let the friends do it. Let me tell you, let the friends. But we don't want the friends. That we don't. But we don't want our children under the influence of demonic oppression and pressures, do we? We don't want that. and I, You just can't hardly even turn the TV on without some kind of demonic something coming through the screen. Even commercials. And, and so it's, it was a very common practice in the New Testament among Jews and it was a major part of Jesus' ministry. And we looked at this last week in, in various scriptures in Matthew and Mark where it says where Jesus would go out to heal the sick and, and He would heal all of those who were oppressed by devils. And He cast out the spirits with a word. And healed all that were sick. See, you have that authority. We cast out. And he says, how do you know the kingdom of God has come? Because of deliverance. That's what he said, basically said. If you're seeing demons get cast out, you know that the finger of God is doing this. We have that authority because we have the word of God. But see, demons like to make a show of things. And sometimes things do happen. We've seen that, but rarely should it happen. But as believers, you have the authority to come against whatever's trying to afflict you. Just like we did last week. We recognize that thing. And so in Matthew, and Mark 16, it says, These signs will accompany those who believe. They will cast out demons. That was our scripture last week. We see healing and deliverance are very, very closely related. Acts 10, 38 says how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. What did he do? He went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed by the devil. Healing all who were oppressed by the devil. For God was with him healing all who are oppressed by the devil. Luke thirteen eleven. he saw a woman who had been crippled by an evil spirit. We talked about this last year. It says she had been bent over for 18 years and was unable to stand up. And what did Jesus say? Should not this daughter of Abraham be set free from Satan? So this woman had been sick for 18 years. We talked about the woman with the issue of blood who had said she had pretty much spent all she had been to doctors and was none the better. Jesus just touched her, and that demon spirit of infirmity left her. Matthew 8 says, That evening many demon-possessed people were brought to Jesus. He cast out the evil spirit with a simple command. See, that's our example. That's our role model. And He healed all the sick. Do you see the association there? Cast out the spirits, healed the sick. This fulfilled the word of the Lord through the prophet Isaiah, who said, He took our sicknesses and removed our diseases. So we see it's a major part of the ministry of Christ. It should be a major part of the ministry of the church. So there's always this confusion. And can you be possessed or oppressed or whatever? Well, you can be whatever you want. That's what Derek Prince says. He says, can a Christian have a demon? I found out who that was. Yes, he said a Christian can have anything they want. But well, we don't want a demon, do we? But the word oppression is a supernatural external attack. Many times that's that voice saying, go ahead and take this. Or go ahead and kill this person. You know, we've had, the, what about the people that are running into the schools? A voice is speaking to them. I, I was with a, a young man that I was doing an assessment, this was about a year ago, and, and he was saying, I hear voices. And I said, so when's the last time you heard a voice? He said, right now. And I said, so what's the voice saying? And he said, F you, except he didn't say F. And I said, so have you? when's the last time that voice told you to kill yourself? He said, and He said, today, this morning, this morning. So we immediately called in the, the, you know, the reinforcements, because here you're sitting with somebody who this spirit is talking to him, telling him to hurt myself and to kill himself, and so we had to go another route with that. But you, we have this happens all the time, and I guarantee you. Please don't raise your hand. There's many people in here who've had that voice tell you you might as well go ahead and end it. It's never going to get any better. I've had some of you tell me this. You've dealt with this. The problem is, do you have a plan? But so that oppression is that external attack and, and possession is that, which is basically an, a demon causes passivity in the person and thereby controls the person. So can a Christian be possessed? I don't believe so because possession indicates ownership. So a, a possess, I don't believe a Christian can be possessed, but I believe they can be oppressed. It's kind of like if you have a house and you've got eight rooms and one of the rooms has got the lights burned out in it. There's darkness there, right? Where well, the rest of the house has light. But that particular room has darkness. And many times what we'll see is that we'll see believers who have a particular issue in their life that they can't seem to get the victory on. For instance, pornography. We see a lot of, a lot of people are involved with pornography. And they love God and they wish, oh, I wish I had the victory and I'm trying everything I can do. Or drug addiction or anger. But these are areas where they they've remained passive and they've allowed the enemy to control them, and they don't know how to take authority over that part of their life. And that's where we, as the body of Christ, need to come together and say, "Hey, we're going to show you. We're going to lead you into this thing called deliverance, and keep ourselves clean." You know, there's a, uh, you know, we, the Bible tells us we're to keep ourselves pure. Religion is that we're to love the you know, the widows and all this provide for the orphans and says, and keep yourself unspotted from the world. How do we do that? How do we keep ourselves unspotted from the world? Sometimes, you know, you're going to get contaminated. You're going to get a little dirty, right? So what we need to do is get ourselves undirty. (laughs) Get ourselves clean. So let me just quickly, these are some open doors for demons. Open doors for demons. And I'm not going to take the time to go through all the scriptures here again. You can get them on the podcast part. But these, just... Just do it. Research it, okay? Of course, unconfessed sin is primarily the number one, number one, unconfessed sin. And that's sins of all type, especially sexual sins, especially sexual sins. And especially some, when we see people who have, I see this a lot, people who struggle with a heavy pornography addiction usually have a co-occurring other mental health disorder. They may have something like, a, a we see a schizophrenia. Or we'll see this this bipolar thing that they, you know, this, this buzzword today. So we see that these, one thing opens the door for another thing, and these things cause a change in personality. Let me read John 30. This is why it's so important that we keep ourselves clean. John 14.30, out of the Amplified, he's talking to his disciples. And he says, I will not talk with you much more. For the prince, the evil genius, the ruler of the world is coming. He has no claim on me. He has nothing in common with me. There's nothing in me that belongs to him. He has no power over me. So we see that sin gives the enemy power in our lives. It, it We come into agreement. We make an agreement with the enemy, and that's one of the, the open doors. But sin gives the, the devil a legal right into our lives. So if we're if we have this hidden sin... See, that we're given the devil authority in our lives. And Jesus says, there's nothing in me that belongs to him. He has no authority over me. Nothing in me belongs to him at all. And that's where we as believers have to be. The second thing is bitterness and unforgiveness. If you've been to Luke 4.18, we talk a lot about Hebrews 12.15 where it talks about that bitter root. That bitter root which says it defiles many. That bitter root, you know, we've been through that many times. But I believe that for a believer, unforgiveness is a primary open door for the enemy. Unforgiveness. Because we think that's not such a bad thing. Well, they did this to me. They deserve this. They don't deserve anything. You're not their judge. So unforgiveness, remember we talk about forgiveness is not for them, it's for you. Forgiveness is for you. It benefits you. It sets you free from the tormentors. So bitterness and unforgiveness is major open door for the enemy. Also, when we talk about bitterness, we're talking about unresolved anger. And, you know, Paul talked about let, that anger having uh, giving the stronghold to the devil. So if we have offense, if we, if we don't want to be around people, if there's something going on inside of us that's kind of, mm, when we get around somebody, that's an unresolved anger, unresolved unforgiveness that we need to deal with because the enemies, remember 1 Peter 5, eight. he's sitting there waiting, just waiting for a way to get into our lives and gain ground. A third way is unhealed trauma, unhealed trauma. And we see so many times, and that's what I was dealing with with this young lady yesterday. So she, she had gone through molestation for about five years as a young child from five to about ten, and, and she had just buried it. Dealt with, not dealt with. So now, about four years ago, in her early 40s, it was coming to the surface. It was affecting everything, affecting her attitude. She was depressed all the time, given up her job, done all these many things because she had not really dealt with that unhealed trauma. And what the devil was telling her, I said, Tell me the identity of you that came out of this trauma. And she said, I'm worthless, I'm dirty, I'm broken. I hear this all the time. So she's, I said, So you've been living this life, very successful professional lady been living this life thinking you're unworthy, you're broken, you're dirty. I said, how has that been working for you? It doesn't work. It's destroying her marriage too. So we see that unhealed trauma is an open door because the devil is speaking to her lies about herself. Her identity now is what the devil has declared rather than what, she, what the Word of God tells her. So you know what her homework assignment is this week, don't you? Number four, demonic contracts, agreements and the occult, demonic contracts, that things that we make with the devil. And these can be just in any involvement in the occult, you know, things like Freemasonry. Those are things that we need to stay, you know, all of these Eastern-type things, these things we need to stay away from, and we need to break the power of that over our life. Miss Louise is out in Utah for about a month, but she tells a story of how Freemasonry affected her family. Her grandfather, I think, was a gazillion, whatever the top level is. He was way up there, and she talks about how that affected one particular side of her family, because that god Baphomet, who is the god of uh, that's used in the Freemasonry, is a god of perversion. It's a god of sexual perversion, and so we need to break ties with those things. It could be it could be that sorcery from from drugs and alcohol potions, those kind of things. Uh, and so we, we, the use of magic, all of these things, can be open doors for the enemy. You know, we, um, you know there's a lot of these little shows that are, I and mean, we were out in Las Vegas one time, our first and last trip, I hope, that we went to a show that our kids wanted to go to the show. Well, it turned out it was a magic show. And it was just, It was more like, um, it wasn't really like black magic. It was more like trickery, or I don't know what it was. But it, I just felt weird there. I don't know, I mean, you know. But, but casting spells on people. You know, people still do that kind of crazy stuff with word curses. But then when we speak negative, or Roberts used to say this, when we speak negative about somebody, we're releasing demonic angels on assignment against that person. So we're speaking word curses. We're basically putting spells on people. What are we saying about each other? See, this is what he talked about in, in First Corinthians 11. He said, when you're causing divisions, God, I don't like the way somebody is. I don't like the way they act. I don't like who they vote for. And, you know, we got an election coming up, a, a small one this week, but let's don't get all upset about who people vote for. Let's love them, okay? And let's not bring that mess into the church. We're not going to tolerate it in the church, okay? We're not tolerating in the church, okay? And you need to be careful what you post on Facebook, okay? It creates division in the body. It really does. So so demonic contracts. Five is generational curses. We talk, we've talked a lot about that, especially in Luke 4.18. Those things that kind of travel down through the family. We talked about familiar spirits and familial spirits. Those things that, that we see in, in you know anger and attitudes and prejudices. These kind of immoralities. All these things can be generational. Physical issues can be generational. You know, the minute then we talk about coming into agreement, the minute I say, well, my daddy had a high blood pressure. His daddy died of a heart attack, so I guess that's my lot in life. I just came into agreement with the devil. I just made a contract with the devil that I'm agreeing with that assignment that's upon us. So what do we have to do? We have to say, okay, God, what do I need to do to make sure that doesn't happen in my life? And God will give to us a plan, right? He's a God of miracles, but he's also a God of a plan. So so number six is idolatry. That's anything that's more important to God. More important than God, excuse me. Anything that's more important than God in our life. And it doesn't have to be bad things. It can be good things. You know, it could be jobs. It could be finances. It could be a people. It could be church is not more important than God, by the way. Now, God wants us to be in church, right? But God is still number one. And and our family is supposed to be number two after God, I believe. And so, you know, work and, and church activity should fall down there. But, you know, he said, don't forsake the assembly of yourselves together. Why? So you can get delivered, just you can get messages, you can get taught the word of God so we can equip the saints to go out and be victorious. You know, we're not here just to have goosebumps. I told Terry, I said, Aren't you glad you came to prayer last night? Just sitting there minding his own business. God zaps him and heals his knee. Don't you just love it when God does that? Didn't even ask him for it. Just sitting there. Wow, wait a minute, wait. The pain's gone. The swelling's gone. Pulls up his pants. There's there's no swelling there. Just minding your own business, right? And God was minding his. God will do that to you sometime. Driving out of your driveway and the Holy Spirit says, you better check your wall. You know, that means you know how I love my dogs, right? If my my dogs got missing, all of you would be in a search with me, right? (laughs) I would enlist every one of you. We'd be covering whole Cabarrus County. is so good how can we know if we have an issue like Jeff Foxworthy you might need deliverance if (laughs) you might need deliverance if you struggle with this reoccurring sicknesses with no medical justification or solution reoccurring sicknesses you might need deliverance why maybe it's unforgiveness that's causing this maybe it's resentment that's causing this I'm just researching for our Luke 4.18. We have video after video of people who who were healed after they forgave. From cancers to fibromyalgia to almost paralysis. And after they learned to forgive, God healed their bodies. He turned that tap off. See, the unfor- unforgiveness just causes these this spewing all these toxins into our bodies. So reoccurring sicknesses. How about number two is emotional instability. Fear. Anybody ever struggle with fear? Yeah. I have struggled with fear in my life, and I'm talking about recently. I mean, I've had to just, and God just says, take authority over it. you got to take authority over it because the mind starts to work, doesn't it? How about worry, which is like fear? Undue concern. Undue concern. You know, we, we see parents who'll just leave their kids for three or four days and go off somewhere. Oh, they'll be okay. Well, the problem is they're four, six, and ten. And they leave them with a grandparent who has dementia. And what happens is they end up in foster care. Undue concern. Instability. You just never know whether they're going to explode today or not. They're going to be walking one day. I don't think I'm going to work here anymore. They're just unstable. They have $5 and spend 20 How about mind traffic? In other words, it's constantly, constantly. And that's called stress, I believe. Anybody ever dealt with stress in here? Depression. By the way, these are not gifts of the Spirit. <laughs> Anger, rage, rejection, insecurity, confusion, loss of memory, torment, imaginations. Do you know stress can cause all stress can cause a loss of a memory. Stress can cause confusion. But you know where there's confusion and, and there's jealousy, there's every evil work, isn't there? And usually there's a spirit of witchcraft that's hanging around there. Sexual problems. Lust, fornication, homosexuality, pornography, insects, sexual fantasy with children or others. This could be indication that you might need deliverance. Right? Addictions, prescription drugs, illegal drugs, alcohol, nicotine, food. So many other different kinds of addictions that people struggle with. Uh, Food's probably the number one in the body of Christ. That's socially acceptable, right? How about the occult? We mentioned that a moment ago. False religions, Freemasonry, yoga. Now, somebody asked me, do you you think yoga's bad? I said, well, I I think stretching is good. (laughs) I don't know that yoga, unless you're up here chanting to some Chinese god, it doesn't bother me. Somebody called me and said, what about acupuncture? I said, I just got some. And they said, well, it's Chinese. I said, not mine, was it? My doctor doesn't speak a bit of Chinese. He just put it in there, recognized where I needed it, put it in there, and it was healed. I said, we didn't chant any Chinese proverbs or anything. I said, all knowledge belonged to God initially, right? It's the devil that distorts it. It's the devil that distorts it. So if they found out that I can hit a pressure point on my leg by a little bit of acupuncture, God gave them that information, I believe. I don't have to go chanting to the devil with it, right? The devil wants to take and twist things. So so we need to, you know, we need to just be in the word, right? I just remember all knowledge originated with God. It's the enemy that wants to counterfeit it, right? Where am I? Mormonism, seances, witchcraft, magic, Satanism, horoscopes, psychic readings. You know, let me get let me jump on this a minute here on horoscopes. <laughs> you know, we can have prophetic horoscopes. Do you get up every morning and run to your favorite prophet to see what they're saying for you for the day? I used to do that with one particular person. I really liked what she had to say. It was encouraging. God said, this is nothing more than a religious hor- a horoscope. You know, I don't need somebody. I mean, there's one. I love the prophetic ministry. I love that. I'm not saying that. But I don't need somebody to hear from God for me every day. And neither do you. If you're in prayer, don't be lazy. Hear God for yourself. Right? And then lastly, generational curses. And here again, we mentioned this, curses operating against you or your family. Satan operates in the body with physical sicknesses that can be caused by any of these things. You know, Jesus cast out demons, the deaf spoke, the deaf heard, the, the dumb spoke. He healed with by casting out demons. So we know physical symptoms can be the result or the manifestation of demonic activity. So many times, so don't go, you know... I did make the. We have a friend who's a medical doctor, and I ran into him this week. And he was saying, "How's Terry doing?" And I began to tell him about our experience on Sunday. He said, "That's nice." And I thought maybe he didn't grasp. Why he's a believer, so maybe he didn't quite grasp. So maybe I need to sit down and have a little clearer conversation with him. He said, "That's really nice. Glad he's doing better." So anyway, so you got to be careful who you share your joy with, right? So anyway. But he also, he also works with the mind. See, deception, that leads to torment, confusion, fear, doubt, unbelief, accusation, unhealthy guilt, shame, addiction, inability to pray, study, worship. All of these things are the way the enemy works. Remember, the enemy condemns. The Holy Spirit convicts. And conviction always has hope. Condemnation never has hope. Condemnation demeans. Condemnation judges you condemnation disqualifies you. But Holy Spirit convicts and He always brings hope. Is that right? Do we know the difference? I want you to stand. We're going we're gonna to go through some deliverance here today. Don't raise your hand, but did anybody think, well, wait a minute, I might have this, I might have that, I do this, I do that. Anybody, anybody go through that? Well, I hope that in the process, and I want you to get these notes, but in the process, yeah, she wants my notes. You ain't have them now yet. got to wait till I finish. God's going to reveal to us. And, the, you know, like we said, our, we are geniuses at justifying behavior. We're geniuses at justifying our behavior. We're geniuses at justifying my activity. Even people who have been traumatized will justify their current behavior based on the fact, well, this is because this is what happened to me. You know, I was I was this when I, I was molested, I was abused, and this is why I act this way. And I'll say, well, then you need to quit acting this way. It might explain your behavior, but it never excuses your behavior. There's a big difference. And so, so what we have to do, four little steps. They all start with R's, okay? I actually had them starting with C's, but I thought R's were easier to remember. Okay. Do what works for you, right? Number one, we have to repent of any and all sin that has opened a door. Any and all sins. So probably every one of us could re- repent of any unforgiveness or bitterness or strife or whatever that we have been a part Offenses. God, forgive me. Lord, forgive me for these sins that I've allowed the enemy to, to dupe me on. That he's, I've allowed the open door to come in. That I've allowed myself to become offended. Forgive me, God, for this. And so we have to, in 1 John 1, 9 says, He's faithful to forgive us and to cleanse us. How many use that every day in their life besides me? God, you know, your word promises me. You know, I didn't have his right attitude. And I said this, I shouldn't have said this. God, forgive me. You said you'd forgive me and cleanse me. And you know what? His word is still true. There's no shelf life on the word of God, by the way. There's no shelf life on any scripture. So we need to Repent. Secondly, we need to renounce. Now, this might be something that's a little new for some people. We, it, we renounce that sin and take back any ground given over to the devil. See, if we're if we're walking in offense and unforgiveness, we've given the ground devil. If we're walking in anger, we've given an open door to the devil. There's a stronghold that's been in place in our life. So we have to cast down that stronghold, and how do we do it? We cast down the stronghold by speaking the word of God over our situation, um, Was it 1 Corinthians? 2 Corinthians 10. So we have to break down, take that ground, break off any demonization that has occurred. So God, I believe that I realize that my anger has caused a certain passivity in my life. I've allowed the enemy to control my attitude. I've allowed the enemy to affect my life. I'm taking back that ground. I rebuke the enemy, and I'm, I'm taking authority over the enemy, which is the next one, is that we rebuke the enemy. We command demonic influence and oppression to leave in Jesus' name. That's what we did last week. Now, was there open sin with him taking those oxycodone? No, he was doing what the doctor told him to do. But the enemy somehow, there was a connection. Now, we do not I don't have to understand it, let me tell you. I don't have to understand it. When it was as different as day and night, black and white, 180 degrees, before we ever got to the place where he was going to eat that slice of pizza, and th- those of you that saw him Sunday saw how bad he looked Sunday. You know, God moved in that man's life and it wasn't, you know, and and so, you know, take authority, rebuke the devil. And the other thing is when Holy Spirit speaks to you and, and see Holy Spirit specifically said there's a spirit associated with this medication. And so that's where we, that's where we took our authority. In the name of Jesus, we break the connection of that spirit with that perfectly legal medication that has, has gotten authority in there and causing this. So, you know, Luke ten nineteen 19 says that He's given to us all authority over the enemy. James tells us we resist the devil, we draw nigh to God, he has to leave. See, these are the authority scriptures we use. You can use those over your children, by the way. You can use them over your children. I pray over my grandchildren all the time. I don't have any idea how God's going to work out some stuff, but I know He is. He's promised. He's promised. And then fourth is we have to receive the promise of God's word through the authority given to us in Jesus name. We receive that God I thank you you mentioned Psalm 27 is a wonderful I would have fainted had I not expected to see the goodness of God in this life. I would have fainted had I not expected to see the goodness of God in this life. So we want that's what we want to do. We want to we want to repent. We want to do some deliverance. Let's just use this fear thing. Let's just use the fear thing that Miss Claire was dealing with. Because I have a feeling other people in here have dealt with fear. Yeah. Right? Is that a right assumption? Yeah. Maybe even today you're dealing with fear. Yeah. You know, maybe God has told you to take a step of faith. Yeah. And that was last week. And all the emotions were high. Man, we're going through. And then this week, it didn't happen overnight. So all of a sudden, God, are you coming through? We're going under, God. What's happening? We don't see things happening like you promised 24 hours ago. So I'm going to lead us in this, and I want you just to, if this is you with fear, you can substitute your own sin. might be some perversion things going on in here today, too. You know, the mind is a secret chamber. And we don't usually just get up and do something perverse. We think about it. We deal with it. Be some offense going on. Critical spirits, jealousy, strife, holding grudges, taking up somebody else's offense. You know, that's that's a real dangerous thing because when we start taking up offenses, what happens is we only get one side of the story. So let's just begin. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, God, I repent of the sin of fear because fear is not trusting you. Father, fear is saying that you're not enough. So God, I repent of that sin. I ask you to forgive me. I ask you to cleanse me of the unrighteousness that that fear has brought into my life. God, when we say we're afraid, we're saying we don't trust you. So God, we repent of that fear. Father, I renounce any ground that the enemy has taken because I have opened the door with fear. I renounce, Father God, when I have been paralyzed because I've been afraid to move because of fear. I close the door on that fear right now in Jesus' name. God, I renounce any promises you've given to me that I have not grabbed hold of because of fear, because I don't trust you, Lord. I take back that ground, and God, I, I, I claim those promises for my life. And God, I re, now in the name of Jesus, I rebuke you, Satan. I rebuke a spirit of fear off of my life in Jesus' mighty name. I take authority over you, and you must flee. The Bible says, I draw near to God. I rebuke you, devil. you got to go. So go, be gone in Jesus' name. And God, by the power of your word, I receive the promise. You are not a man that you can lie. God, you will not say something and change your mind. You will not make a command. Your word never returns void. So, God, we thank you. I thank you, Lord. I receive the fullness of that promise. God, I ask you now to empower me to walk it out. And when that enemy comes back with those thoughts, it's going to create fear in my mind. I'm going to raise up a word of God out of my spirit, man. And I'm going to say, no, but this is what God's word says about this. The devil might be saying, you're going under, but God says, I will supply all of your need. That's what the word of God says. The devil might say you're broken you're dirty you're no good but I am a child of God I am a masterpiece according to Ephesians two ten. there's nothing I can't do with my God all things are possible God is a God of the impossible God I refuse to believe the fear that mankind tries to put upon us the labels he's put upon us because you have a plan to walk me out of this thing father God thank you God you have a plan Lord Thank you, God. And I refuse to allow fear to rule and reign in my life one more day. In Jesus' name. So, Father, not only do I rebuke fear, but I take on that spirit, that empowerment of Holy Spirit. And I walk in that spirit. I walk in that spirit. Thank you, God. Fill us full to overflowing with your presence. God, we bless you. We praise you. We thank you, God, for your word today mighty name of jesus amen so now we're free we got to stay free amen. ephesians the one final scripture ephesians 6 10 and 11 says a final word be strong in the lord and in his mighty power put on all of god's armor so that you'll be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil amen